Hi, everybody. It's Liza and Kimmy here. Hi. Your friendly neighborhood podcast host. Um, We're doing this weird little introduction to just explain really quick that we uh, recorded the uh, incredible episode you're about to hear, um, I think like a month ago. So it was kind of before everything got so crazy in the world. And so... We don't mention it. We keep it pretty mellow. (laughs) And if, I mean, you listened to us, our regular episode last week, things have been happening so quickly. We were pretty scared, but maybe like you could go on a date or go outside. And I think Liza and I are firmly in the camp of be responsible to yourself and everybody around you and everybody who has loved ones around you and stay inside. It it's really tough and we're going to be there for you throughout however long we have to stay inside but just take care of yourselves take care of what you need to do but be really careful because I think this is absolutely not even one percent overblown if anything I think it's underblown and not no okay I've gone too far I don't want to scare anyone I just we want you to take care of yourselves and we're thinking of you and we're also here for you so if there's anything we can do we're going to do some more episodes about like what we're doing to keep ourselves, you know, on a schedule, et cetera. But we also know some of you are probably dealing with really scary decisions around maybe people in your life being sick. And it's just, we're here for you. Everything is really, really scary. And we will provide some wisdom. If you want to check out our more fluffy episodes, there will be bonus episodes up every Friday on our Patreon. And we're going to donate your Patreon contributions. We can't do it directly through Patreon, but we're going to match them and donate to Feeding America um, up to $500. So check those out if you want. Uh, we did Love is Blind last Friday, and we're we're starting at the beginning of Sex in the City this Friday. So if you want to watch the first episode, we're going to talk about it and keep going to talk to a minimum. But just like, we're here. We're going to talk about what dating is like in this era. We're going to just see where we all are in like a week even. But we love you. Completely. And for the time being, we have an awesome episode with Annabelle Close, and we talk a lot about lots of fun stuff like polyamory, et cetera, and it's completely corona-free, and we hope you enjoy it, and it takes your mind off all of this for a little bit, and we love you. Welcome to 51 First Dates. I'm Liza. And I'm Kimmy. And we are doing an experiment. And talking about dating. And love. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Cheers. Cheers. Hi, everybody. I'm Liza. And I'm Kimmy. And welcome to 51 First Dates, the podcast. Thank you all for being here. And I am going to also thank our guest today. We have Annabelle Close here. She's an affiliate marketing manager at Lilo. Annabelle, thank you so much for coming and joining us. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really excited to be here. We're so happy to have you. We met Annabelle on the panel that we did with Violet Claire a few weeks, months ago now. Who knows? Um, (laughs) What is time? But uh, she was really cool and had a lot of amazing stories and fun things to say. And so we were like, please come on our podcast. And here we are. I'm pretty excited. This is my first podcast. Ooh, you have a really great podcasting voice. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I do really listen do. to a lot of them. And I fantasize about having my own one day. So Yes. Oh, 
my god we're obviously pro yeah <laughs> dipping my toes in with with the experts yeah <laughs> pro podcasting lifestyles um so we're gonna talk about a lot of stuff today we're gonna talk about a little bit about the company that annabelle works for lilo we're gonna talk a little bit about polyamory is that like the right term i feel like um, i'm it, so I, ignorant it, there's lots of terms Great. and more on the way i'm Great. sure um there's actually a sign that was at pride festival here in new york this year that kind of broke down all the terms there's like 17 different ones now if you want to be proper with lgbtqi mm-hmm. yeah um polyamory is the proper term uh, i'm in an open relationship which is what i would you know I'm sure I'll hear arguments, but I would say it's a sector of polyamory. Gotcha. Um, polyamory is more like the state of being rather than the actual practice. Okay. Mm. Yeah. But it's correct. Cool. For sure. All right. We're going to be basically like tiny babies who you have to teach a lot of stuff to. But I feel like this is a topic that we've wanted to talk about on the podcast for a really long time. I'm really curious about. I think it's like a cool thing about like the difference between us and our mothers and grandmothers generation and that we get to have a lot of choices in how we date it's true and yeah i'm really really excited to get into it yes we'll, um, we'll be like uh, you know as my <laughs> as much as we have this podcast for a minute we'll be a little bit like it'll be a little educational for us so i apologize in advance but i also think that way it can be educational to our listeners because we get a lot of different questions about you know all different formats of relationships so It'll be exciting. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think I actually started listening to podcasts because it was the best source for me for these types of discussions. There wasn't like really a, a platform or a format where too many people were talking about it in a way that I found like by digestible, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've listened to tons of podcasts about alternate relationships and open relationships and, you know, group sex and shared love and compersion and jealousy and things like that. So... Um, it's a great medium for that. And I'm just so hoping that this is helpful for even one person out there because I'm still figuring everything out myself. Yeah, that's incredible. That's our whole vibe is like we're all we're all just figuring everything out. But yeah, I it's think true. It's, we're all faking it. Yeah, and I'm not making it. So. <laughs> Hard disagree, but we'll get, <laughs> we'll get into all of it. First of all, though, as we always do, um, we like to ask all of our guests by means of introduction do you have a worst first date yes yes uh, i do and it is the one um that you know coincidentally you have already heard because we were on a panel two weeks ago two weeks again what is time uh for valentine's day where we all talked about our worst first dates and and while i have some that you know, made me feel more terrible than this one did. This is by far the most colorful and weirdest first date I had. I want to, you know, put out there ahead of time. The actual person was fantastic. The date itself was batshit. So um, I was living in Portland, Oregon, which is one of the most spectacular cities in the country. But it is notoriously full of weirdos um you know i think that's what attracts everyone to portland in the first place and i had known this person for a few years as a very like once removed colleague and he had asked me to go to dinner with him after after a few years of knowing each other and i you know always thought he was really funny and i thought yeah of course i'm single and and uh there's not that many people in, in Portland. It becomes very ancestral at some point in time. It's a small city. So he gave me the name of a restaurant uh, or the address of a restaurant. And I typed it into my phone, called the Uber, and then 
when I got to the address, it was just an apartment building, um, you know, and I was like, oh, okay, this kind of tracks uh, to his character. So I called him and, and he was like, yeah, 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 just go into the backyard and come up the fire escape. And I was like, okay, to the to the third floor. So I, I climbed up the stairs and crawled into his apartment um, and he was making dinner, which was really sweet. And he's a photographer as like one of his jobs. So he had beautiful art on the walls. But no chairs or anywhere to sit. <laughs> oh uh, my gosh. So that already, I was like, huh, again, I feel like this tracks for this person. Yeah. He's one of those people that kind of floats about 12 inches above reality. <laughs> um, and That's was, a great descriptor, by the way. Like, say, I, totally. Yeah. And, you know, it's almost totally grounded. Yeah. <laughs> except not. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he was cooking dinner, smelled okay. And, and I was sitting on the floor on a pillow, I think. And, um, you know, he's like, I hope you don't mind. I thought I would uh, cook you dinner. I've never used my kitchen before. And I was like, oh, God, that's my first red flag. But, you know, I feel like I'm not that picky aside from like dietary restrictions. Uh, at the time, I was a vegetarian of like eight years, uh, which he knew. Um, and he was making pasta. And I was like, that's great. It's, you know, it's hard to screw pasta up. I guess too much water. I've done that before. I'll eat it anyway. But then he started pouring um, some just questionable condiments into the pasta. Oh, and I was trying to just pay attention to the art on the walls and ask, you know, where did you take this picture? This is so beautiful. Um, and then I saw him take this bag out from his drawer and take, you know, these black things and sprinkle it into the pasta. And I, and I didn't know what it was. And then I remembered what his day job was. And he had a company where he uh, made protein bars out of crickets. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh. I've heard and it before, like, and it still yeah, gives me the heebie-jeebies. I was like, no, no, he's not. I was like, that's too much. I mean, I, uh, I expect a lot of things, but I don't even know if that falls into my diet. I don't think it does, by the way, for anyone listening. I don't think you can eat insects. So so he sprinkles them in, and he pours you know, the pasta into these two plates, and I look at it, and sure enough, it's it's you know what looks to be like ketchup pasta and, and crickets. Oh, my God. Um, and I just want to sit and have a really good conversation because he's such a sweet man and and he really does make me laugh and this was making me laugh um really out of terror though yeah. and I did take a couple of bites and I did eat a couple of the crickets and then I told him I'm really sorry but like this just this is not something I can finish but it's really sweet of you to cook oh this for God. me and, um that was definitely my most memorable and like I said it, he was so sweet and I actually had a great time talking yeah. to him but I was very thrown off by the dinner situation I mean, uh, even just being like, come over, I'm going to cook you dinner, which he didn't. First of all, he lied. No. <laughs> or he, whatever. It was, a, I can see that that would be a cute gesture if you had like been dating someone for a while and they were like, it's this great restaurant that it's their house. That would be cute. If I don't know. If or you, if like maybe cooking is kind of your hidden talent. You yes. know, you're like, I want to show <laughs> off a little and treat you right away. Totally. Yeah. But, but he really went for it. You know, you have to hand it to totally. him. No He's chairs. He's a lot of neat things at once. No problem. Yeah like, <laughs> yeah, like climb up my fire escape. We will not be sitting on chairs and I will cook you pasta with crickets. I mean, uh, it's like that kind of confidence that we all should really take into dating in, in some ways. We should also, you know, feel out the other person. But I, I do admire the boldness. I also like that you said it was your most memorable first date because sometimes or lately we, we've been re reconsidering like why we highlight like worst first date stories so much it kind of just feeds into the whole narrative of like dating is awful which it can be but maybe it's like 
Liza, maybe we start saying most memorable first date. Because hmm. a lot of times it will still be like worst. I don't know. Yeah, there's always, I mean, bad things have to happen, I think, for it to be memorable. Yeah. I mean, unless it's like an engagement story. But yeah, I guess, I mean, if I really dug into my worst first dates, it's just guys being total jerks. And it doesn't, it doesn't feel as fun to trash them publicly. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it will. Totally. Yeah. No, I mean, I feel like there is, there's a spectrum of worst first from like fun ones to kind of like upsetting ones and the fun ones are more fun yeah. you know well, for the panel I was trying to think of this ahead of time mm-hmm. because it actually was supposed to be like about Valentine's Day and as I started listening to the girls talk I was like oh wow I, all of these things I've blocked out of my memory are starting to come forward because I wasn't going to talk about the cricket guy and some girl there had mentioned pasta and I was like I have a pasta nightmare story too um <laughs> But at first I was like, I don't know which story to tell. I feel like I'm just going to bum everyone out. <laughs> you know, if I talk about the Valentine's Day where someone said they sent me flowers to my office and I, I waited all day and that didn't happen. Oh, God. <laughs> right? I, I just mean, bummed you out. No, I, I feel like, it's, okay, my philosophy on this, and I keep repeating it, we've had, we had um, this woman named Shaney Silver on recently who kind of questioned our, like, uh, rationale for asking for worst first date stories. And I think it was like very fair and smart and um, made us think about it a lot. But I do think that sharing in like mutual kind of um, pain and misery and suffering is like inherently cathartic. Oh, absolutely. Also can be really fun. Um, and I think it makes, if you can label the worst things that happen, I think it makes something less scary. So totally. I think were a lot about like demystifying dating and just getting yourself on dates like even if it's something that really scares you so if we can just say like if the worst that happens is a guy sprinkles crickets in your pasta then you know, it's gonna be yeah, yeah it'll yeah, be that, fine i support that i mean i'm ridden with anxiety i had anxiety coming here today even oh, really? though i've met the two of you oh, yeah. and you're you're so easy to talk to and be around and i was like i'm just going to another apartment and you're getting no thing and i came out of the shower you know looking sick to my stomach and i was like god oh, i'm so ridden with adult anxiety and it feels like that no matter what social situation you're walking mm. into that's new especially a date yeah no a date or like a first podcast like I still get anxious when we podcast especially with guests I just yeah there's so much anxiety in dating and just general life I find that my anxiety is curbed a bit when I hear that other people have the same anxieties as me no matter what it's about so yeah, yeah no, that's, that's why that's we definitely do this. true it's so helpful but I mean dates especially they they just come with an inherent amount of judgment. You know, I think we all, no matter what we try, bring baggage to the table. We bring a list of deal breakers in our pocket. Um, and we're just kind of like waiting for the bottom to drop out. Or at least I am. I'm always waiting. Like, where's that one thing that's like, oh, now I see who you really are. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's that thing of like looking for, we're always looking for evidence for everything you know i'm always i'm always doing this on myself looking for evidence that i'm either great and funny and people like me or i'm a piece of shit like lazy asshole with no skill you know like it's like i'm always mounting those two cases yeah against like for or against myself and usually the bad ones winning but i feel like it's similar with dating where you're like all right you meet someone let's start stacking up evidence yeah i mean i feel like there's this I don't know if it's a lie we were told or something that just no one talked about, but, you know, as I'm going to be 30 this year and 
I feel like I've been told that should be scary. And sometimes I'm like, oh, it is scary. I'm like, but I don't actually feel that way. I think people around me are freaking out about turning 30 and I'm just, you know, getting it uh, rubbed off on me. But there was this idea that at some point we'd wake up and feel like grownups, you know, and feel yeah. like adulthood has fallen. Um, and it, it just, it's really fluctuates from day to day. Sometimes I feel like I'm doing something super adult. And sometimes I feel like I am no different than the person I was 10 years ago. And I think the same thing kind of goes with dating where like, I'm a complete and happy person and ready to love you, but that's never been the case. You know, it's, it's just kind of a lie that no one's talking about that we're all incomplete and we're all somewhat, you know, happy and unhappy. And we're all still learning. It, loving yourself's a practice. So you can't just, you know, have it and then it's just done. Yeah, I that's oh, I relate to that so much. The the concept of what do you want to be when you grow up, when you're asked that when you're little, it's like there's never a point from my understanding that you even like my dad will say this, that he felt like of course he feels like an adult, but like like a grown-up. And also, 30 is not as scary as people make it out to be. Both Liza and I are 31 now. <gasps> that was worse, honestly. 30 is like, oh, okay, I hit this new number and it felt so scary, but now I just feel like I'm in it and like it wasn't as bad as people said it would be. So that's just yeah. a side note. But I like I do awesome. I think I was like fuck I, I had to like fuck everybody. I was like Yeah. yeah. I love I I love life more and more every single year and I quietly you know I'm so looking forward to our 40s when we have our sexual peaks because if I'm not in it now I have no idea how crazy <laughs> that's gonna be but, um no I, I think you know there is like a biological component about being a woman in your 30s especially if you want to have a family and mm-hmm. I think when you move to New York also you agree to like set your plans five years further than you were going to. This yeah. is very like, uh, I'm focused on me city and focus, my career, ambitious hustle. This is the time to do it. Um, you know, but I, I think that every year has gotten better and better for sure. Maturing yeah. doesn't scare me. No, it's good. And then it's the same thing. Oh, I, I really liked what you said about relationships too. I, for so long was, not in serious relationships and thought that, you know, I was smart enough to know this wasn't the truth, but some part of me thought that even just being in a serious relationship, not even like marriage or anything, would take away all my other shit and anxieties. But of course it hasn't. You know, it's like becoming a grown-up, becoming the – it's – you're still a version of yourself just contending with things in a different way. Yeah. When I was a kid, I thought, I think in my head, the grown-up age was like 23, Mm. which now sounds bananas. I feel like everyone picks one. Mine was 27. Nice. I was like, at 27, I'm going to be married and have it all together. Everything's going to be figured out. And now I'm like, what? Mm -mm. Pump the brakes. Uh, Yeah. I I would do anything to buy another decade. Fully. I know. Mm. Though yeah. 20s, 20s were great and hard. They they felt, yeah. I, yeah, I it's kind of like high school. Like, what an amazing time. But you could not pay me enough money to go through it again. Yes. Same. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, listeners in your 20s, hang hang in there. And hang also enjoy. <laughs> I've got six months left of my 20s as yeah. of yesterday. I do really think, and I know it's an arbitrary difference, but something about being in your 30s and a lot of stuff I guess a lot of stuff in my life was changing as I got into my 30s like it also coincided with like more financial stability and better insurance and just some stuff that like made life a lot easier so those two things I've I've probably tied together like more in my head but yeah there is something about just being like I 
am okay like being I don't know in your I feel like your 20s is kind of often a decade of like not being okay in many different ways like sometimes it's mental health sometimes it's like physical kind of like tangible like not having your shit together not having a home not having a permanent place not what you know whatever like that thing is but to me something about 30s like rotated in that yeah yeah I can't remember if it was during the panel or in one of my other media consumptions, which I'm always lost into a blur. Uh, but someone said, like, your 20s is about gathering people around you and your 30s is about getting rid of all the wrong ones. Mm. You know? Interesting. Uh, Wisdom. Yeah. When you're into 30s, I feel like that's kind of real. Not that I'm, like, ending friendships or anything. Watch but- out, Kim's friends. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, guys. I'm done. Next. <laughs> yeah. Um, well... With all of that wisdom, <laughs> will you tell us a little bit about? Well, should we talk about Lilo first, or should we talk about? Let's talk about think? Lilo, just because I think. Well, we're big fans of Lilo um, and the products. Thank you for those from the panel. But yeah, I don't know if all of our listeners know about Lilo. I'm sure they don't. I'm sure they don't. Um, unless you own a lot of vibrators, in which I hope you do know about us. Uh, uh, so Lalo is like a, it's a luxury adult toy brand. Uh, we like to think of ourselves as innovators in sex tech as well. Uh, it's been around since 2003, I believe. So, you know, quite a long time. Um, and the idea behind the company at first was just that they wanted to produce something totally different than what people are going into brick and mortar sex stores for. Um, there's such a stigma, as you know, and a taboo around sex, a taboo around kink, uh, and around different you know modes of pleasure, especially when it comes to female masturbation. Um, and Layla wanted to make something that didn't feel like you wanted to hide it in your nightstand. If they wanted to make something beautiful that you felt proud to own, proud to have on your shelf, proud to use, um, something that was a lot more comfortable than maybe, you know, a lopped off male appendage. Um, (laughs) And so that's really, I think, what sets them apart from a lot of other sex toy brands. Uh, If you look at our products, they are super sleek, really beautiful. If you, I have them all out in my apartment and almost no one knows what they are. Um, So yeah, that's, that's really our, uh, our feel yeah about why we consider ourselves like a luxury sex toy company um they're also extremely high quality they are gorgeous they're beautiful they're all shapes and sizes they're also not just for women we've got a really incredible men's line we have a new product called the f1s which is our sex tech male masturbator uh personal favorite of my partner's and uh, yeah, so check it out at Lalo.com if you're interested. Today's Women's Day, as you know, as well. So we have a huge thing going on all week for, for Women's Day and International Women's Month. Cool. Oh, yeah, I know. It's International Women's Day. We didn't even kind of cheers to that. But I'm so excited to do this on this day. Me today. too. I thought it was very serendipitous. Yeah, this is going to come out in like a couple weeks. But yeah, it's I know. The, the, take <laughs> I the vibes take of the vibes. today into oh, whatever day this happens to Every come day out. should be Women's exactly. Day. It'll still way, be right? Women's Month when this comes out. Um, but That's they, really cool. Yeah. Sorry. I feel like, no, we're both psyched to talk about it. Just because they are beautiful. That's all I wanted to say. They really are like from just an aesthetic perspective already. They're just gorgeous. And I feel like people at least need to start there. Google them and then try something because they're also effective 
Yeah, and I also feel like there's something about we we talk a lot about like buying yourself presents and especially if you're dating and whatever. You know, sometimes we talk about ways to treat yourself to think to to things or experiences like on not a date. Like you want to go on a trip, like go on a trip alone. You want to, you know, like go out and have a like nice dinner, enjoy it by yourself. Like I feel like this is such a great example of a gift to buy yourself. That's Absolutely. Like- and we're very much about that. You know, even for Valentine's Day, we really wanted people to, you know, celebrate Valentine's Day and you're single them. Um, and sex toys are so intimidating if you've never used them. And I, I'm constantly hoping to find more content on the internet of people sharing their first vibrator stories because mm. I myself, I mean, I'm a very liberal, open-minded, um, you know, early sex exploration kind of girl, but my mom is a lesbian. And so my first experience learning what sex toys were and, and physically holding them were because I found them in my mom's closet when I was a kid and no one really wants to associate those things with their parents. So I didn't even own a vibrator until I was 25 because I was too intimidated about what does it mean to have a sex toy? Does it mean that I don't get laid enough? Does it mean that, you know, I'm a little pervy? Um, why do I care what it means? (laughs) Like, it's just, it's a very intimidating thing to try out. Um, and it's, it's also hard to talk to your girlfriends about female yeah. masturbation in general. It's hard to understand. I, you know, tried to start a club in high school just with the very few girls I knew that masturbated too, just because I wanted to talk about it. Um, and you know, it's a, it's a stigma that our company is always trying really hard to remove. And it's a dialogue that I think needs to be out there. I mean, females should feel so comfortable, you know, learning their bodies, learning how to orgasm, learning what they like and don't like. And I think that's what my twenties were for. (laughs) So, um, totally. I feel like it's funny because I was like the last person I know to like buy a sex toy and it was always female friends. Yeah. No, actually, Kimmy <laughs> bought one later than me. I was the last probably. one. I'm okay. like raising my hand over here via Zoom. But yes, I was late. I was late too. I just, I don't even know what the stigma was. I was af- I was afraid more. Like, what What do I get? Do Is it going to be too strong? But anyway, Liza, continue. But no, I was but on was your It was always track. female friends of mine who were like more sexually like – forward and comfortable and even like what even friends who were virgins or this that the other thing like it was always friends of mine who was like you had an orgasm like go figure it out like this is how I do it and it was always like in high school college etc yeah it was always like friends who taught me and that was such a powerful experience I'm so grateful for the people like you and like these friends who are like hey guys we can talk about this and not be weird yeah it doesn't have to be a big thing and like you know, I have one of my best friends is a lesbian and she was like, oh, in college, she was like, you want to go to a sex store? Go to this one. It was in Chicago. She was like, it's great. All women work there. Go ask them anything. And I was like, I'm scared. She was like, as soon as you walk in and say one word to them, you're not going to be scared. The people that work in brick and mortar sex shops are the best people on the planet. They are so helpful. And more than anything, 
they don't talk to you unless you talk to them. They respect this, which I wish I wish it was a rule with all retail because I don't like to be bothered when I shop. Yeah, but yes. they know the rules. You know, they're like, I'm not going to approach you until you approach me. But they are so knowledgeable about everything out there, about all things fetish, how it works. They'll walk you through the different products. They'll talk to you about the price differences, the material differences, you know, the differences in lube. I mean, it's a, it's a very big world to discover. But yeah, it, it's just, it's intimidating. And it is, you know, it feels a little weird at first. And even if you have a girlfriend who could walk you through the steps of how to use a vibrator, that might not necessarily be how it works on your body. Like you really just, you got to get in there, give yeah. yourself some time. Our UK office actually gives uh, four days a year off to the employees for product testing, which that's I'm incredible. so jealous of. That's amazing. <laughs> that's unreal. The future yeah. is female because that is so cool. Um, wow. That's really cool. Well, everyone should definitely check them out. Kimmy and I are fans. Yeah, like, Annabelle. Unsponsored. We're just We're fans. not sponsored. Yeah. Yeah. Annabelle, do you have a recommendation for someone who's feeling a little bit shy or doesn't know what product to try first? Totally. Totally. Um, honestly, there's two products that I would recommend probably as, you know, your first products. Um, I, I think that... I mean, it's our bestseller by miles. Um, and it I always say it's replacing men all over the world, but it's not. Men, we still need you. Um, <laughs> totally different kind of orgasm. But the Sona 2 Cruise is an amazing product. Um, it's really tiny. It can like fit in your purse. Um, it's an external massager. And so for me... External massagers were really game-changing because I don't have vaginal orgasms. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if, you know, you've only really tried to have orgasms by by using sex toys internally or if you've only had orgasms, you know, with oral sex rather than penetrative sex, you don't really understand how valuable your clit is. Um, and our external massager line, Sona, is by far the best. It's actually a clitoral sucker, so it, like, puffs this little bit of air and creates a vacuum. But it's really cute. It looks kind of like a ballet shoe. Um, I have mine. I've got a couple of them, but I've got mine <laughs> on my bedside table, and then I've got one that I just carry around with me because I travel a lot for work. Uh, it's incredible, and it's also very, very easy and intuitive to use because it just has, like, a little area, and, you know, you put that on your clit. That being said... Not everyone knows exactly where their clitoris is. So I would also say a really great starter uh, for anyone is to get yourself a wand. We've got, you know, two beautiful sizes of wands. They're not only very powerful, but it's really easy to control, um, you know, the power levels of it. But what I love about it is that the head is so big, you don't necessarily need to know where to put it. You just kind of put it down there. And then, and then move it around a little, and it's going to find that for you. So it's really good to, like, explore your own body. That being said, if you do know your body pretty well and you like, you know, penetrative toys, uh, we've got one called Soraya 2 that's both internal and external, and it will blow your mind. Um, it's a G-spot massager and a clitoral massager. But those are those are probably, like, the three that I would recommend for anyone who really wants to explore sex toys for the first time and, and see how they like them. Thank and you. we're gonna. I'm gonna put a list. We'll we'll link to Lalo in the show notes, but I'll also put a list of Annabelle's recommendations in case you want to go buy one, which you should. Okay. Um, yeah, cool. I feel like it's. This is so messed up, but I always feel like I have two nieces. Neither of them are quite at that age yet, but I always want to be like. Well, one of them is a baby, but I always want to be like the cookie <laughs> aunt who's like, "Honey, are you masturbating?" Like I fully always want to do. That. 
<laughs> so I have to find the right moment. But I feel like when they're in college, I'm going to be like a like super like kooky aunt who sends them like a vibrator. To totally. To Is it creepy? I don't oh. think so. You could also just send it anonymously. Well, that might be creepier. But, <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, I think everybody knows I'm my whole vibe is kooky aunt. I'm yeah. just growing into my like uh caftan chunky jewelry like weirdo amazing fantasy. That's like who I want to be. So maybe it'll be fine. I might cut this. This makes me feel oh creepy. <laughs> um I don't think it's I don't think it's weird for your aunt to send you a vibrator, especially if they have a relationship with you and know your personality. As long as it tracks with the personality. Yeah. I think it's a great gift to cool. to give to everyone. My best friends have given me vibrators, which could be weird because I mean I obviously I gift Everyone in my life was sex toys. Yeah. As soon as I got this job, I was like, so everyone's getting an anal massager for Christmas. Oh, Sorry, bro. Incredible. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like I said, it just kind of points to that, that stigma that we want to remove and not necessarily encouraging everyone if you're really uncomfortable to talk to your family members about your sex life, but... It shouldn't be wrong if you yeah. don't feel uncomfortable. I mean, I'm already sitting here just being like, oh, my God, my mom's going to listen to this. <laughs> yeah, my, my mom. mom is probably somehow listening to it as we record it. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible. Well, hello to both of our moms. Uh, and uh, and check out Layla. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Amazing. Um, so let's take a really quick ad break, and then we're going to get back, and we're going to talk all things about your romantic sexual life. Amazing. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. All right, we're back. That was our ad break. All right, Annabelle. So, what is your? We know this, but for our guests, like, what's your current relationship status? Well, actually, you already shared that, but can we dive into it more? Because I think, you know, being in an open relationship is probably understood as many things to different people. But what is it for you and your partner? Totally, totally. And yeah, I mean, that's a great thing to point out. especially when defining anything with love and dating and relationships, everyone uses words differently. So anyone out there who's like getting into semantics, I'm sorry. Um, but we, uh, my partner and I have been together in a couple of months. It'll be five years and we've been in an open relationship since day one. Um, I was adamantly in open relationships, uh, well before I met him. Um, and I think that if I'm really being honest with myself, I knew I was non-monogamous in high school, uh, just because it never made sense to me that in high school, when people would go out to the movies or to dinner, that they were automatically boyfriend and girlfriend. And perhaps I watched too much television, uh, cause I wanted to be Carrie from sex in the city. And I was like, you go on dates first. Then you talk about exclusivity (laughs) and to do that in Littleton, Colorado is bananas. So, I mean, but I think it, like, I did know that at my core. Um, and I tried for a very long time to be in monogamous relationships because it's what made those people comfortable. And it just always was really a struggle for me. And I always felt like I was compromising and that it wasn't really a compromise. I felt like I was sacrificing 
for something they wanted and it wasn't cool to talk about what I wanted because that, um, you know, has, still has a stigma around it and alternative relationships are just starting to be talked about. So, um, I felt like I just kind of struggled and suffered and was tempted to cheat and was just kind of unhappy. Um, and then I made a decision one day where I was like, well, if that's what relationships require of me, I guess I'll just not do them. Um, and then I had met my partner and he was someone who had cheated a lot on every, I don't want to say every, sorry if you're listening, a <laughs> lot of the people he had been with. Um, and he's, you know, pretty integrous and always felt terrible about himself and thought, how can I do this? How can I, you know, build a life with someone and have a partner when this is clearly not like what I want sexually? Mm. So when he met me, I think, you know, it was the first time he had met someone who kind of had a way of talking about this and already like had an open dialogue about the way that I wanted to live. And most importantly, we both really wanted this. And I want to say that because I need to stress it to a lot of people out there who are having this conversation with their partner for the first time. It only works if you both want it. And if you both don't want it, it is very hurtful. Hmm. Um, and scary to have that conversation for the first time. But it worked for us because uh, it came first from me and, and second from him. And it was the first time he wanted to try to like legitimately do an open relationship. And yeah, five years and still taking really one day at a time. I think that uh, we're in it for different reasons. Um, and that's also really important to know is, you know, I have a totally different reason for being in open relationships than my partner does. And, and that's okay. It also means that the rules that we've set up and the boundaries we've set up in order to protect ourselves and our feelings are totally different for each mm. other. And I think that I actually encourage people to kind of like remove the golden rule. I mean, in terms of respect, always respect someone the way you want to be respected, mm -hmm. but if you're laying out boundaries and you're kind of attacking it from like a, I don't get to do this. So why do you get to do this? It's a recipe for disaster. Hmm. It really just doesn't work. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So you guys have slightly different like rules and boundaries. From Absolutely. Each other. Yeah. And we can, we have totally different needs. We're two different people. And the great thing about an open relationship is that you're really, you're, you don't have a playbook. Mm -hmm. So you're doing everything yourselves and you're building it. Like this is a piece I need. This is a piece I want. And then you'll learn, Oh, I actually didn't need that piece. Um, but it's two different people coming at this and experiencing it. And there's parts where we grow together and parts obviously where we grow apart. Um, and so your needs change. And I think open relationships are all about over communication and total hyper flexibility. Um, you know, I am non-monogamous because I desperately, I actually am polyamorous. Like at my core, um, I, I really enjoy having emotional connections with multiple people on a romantic level mm -hmm. and an intimate level as well. And it makes my life feel very fulfilled. Um, to have multiple partners. And I think it actually releases a lot of tension and expectations from wanting that to come from a single person and perhaps being unhappy because not every one of your needs is being fulfilled by a single person. Uh, for my partner though, it's much more about, um, you know, kind of 
feeling desired and feeling attractive and knowing that, you know, he hasn't like lost his swag. So, uh, you know, one night stands are, are very fulfilling to him. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't need like long term emotional connections. Uh, so with that total different set of needs, we have a very different set of boundaries and, you know, not to be a cliche, but infidelity for women, the, the emotional part is sometimes a lot more hurtful. Um, I also don't want to like loop men and women into any boxes. It's just a generalization. And for men, the, the physical and infidelity can be a little bit more intimidating. Um, so we have different expectations for each other around that too. I think a, a lot of my boundaries for him are motivated like on an emotional level rather than a physical one. Hmm. And it's definitely the opposite for him interesting very Mm -hmm. interesting and and makes a lot of sense also going back you said like you know an open relationship requires um hyper flexibility and something uh, something about just a lot of communication and it's it's funny because that makes total sense but shouldn't as does every relationship like it's just it was such a good nugget that you said that i'm like Yeah, yeah it really does and i i was thinking about that earlier today i was like ah uh, I always tell people, like, this is a lot of work, it, you know, but then I was like, every relationship is a lot of work. And really, a good way of kind of looking at it is that um, a lot of couples explore things like this down the road mm-hmm. when they feel like they have fallen into a rut or they're working off of uh, the break of an affair. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like it's so much work at that point and we're almost kind of just doing that ahead of time like we're doing it in the foundation is you know exploring those things and laying those needs rather than later when you know it's been 20 years and you may be fixing now something that you've broken Hmm. um and i do think that it makes things very strong not to undermine the very strong connections that you know monogamous people have towards each other um and that commitment and bond is something I really admire. Um, but I will say we put each other through so much. Um, and we have to talk about those things that you're terrified to think about. We, we do them. So yeah, the closeness that we feel is very different. Um, Mm -hmm. because we've actually, we go through something where I'm like, I know I'm about to do something and it's going to hurt, but you try to mitigate the that pain through um, respecting their boundaries, um, setting rules, allowing them to veto without explanation. Um, we try to take care of each other very like, like connect with each other before and after, you know, I'm going to go on a trip or something like that. We make time for us and go on a date. And when we're divulging what has happened, we also do that in a very loving, um, you know, setting where we're really focused on each other. And we've learned that because those conversations are, they're hurtful, but you can get over it because there's no betrayal of trust. Mm -hmm. And that's really what is impossible to, I mean, not impossible, but very difficult to mend if you've been unfaithful in a monogamous relationship because you still get jealous and it still sucks. Like, ugh, it sucks. I don't love thinking about him out there and your mind goes to some dark places. Mm. Um, But I, 
I know that we have this trust and I know that I'll get all the answers that I need and I know I'm not being blindsided and I don't feel like a fool. And, and those are a lot of the things that are dangerous that are not existent in an open relationship. Hmm. And can you tell us a little bit about like when you guys came into the relationship, did you come in with a certain set of kind of like boundaries, rules, expectations, and then I'm assuming they obviously grew together a lot, Mm -hmm. but can you tell us a little bit about like the process of setting up those boundaries, like how you discovered them, like which ones you came in being like, no, this is my, like, this is a line or, or, um, and like what changed, what didn't? Yeah. Oh man. (laughs) I really wish I had written them down like our first set of like needs and rules because I would be surprised if any of them are the same now five years later um a lot of them I think we set up based on assumptions of you know a way something would feel and then we realized oh, that doesn't actually bother me or we didn't set something up and we're like oh that really hurts so I need to draw a line there um to put it vaguely I feel like we have not learned where our lines are until we've crossed them. Hmm. And we have to be forgiving of when that happens. And then we have to go back, acknowledge, and then like draw a line there. But I think, you know, some of the first initial ones that we had were obviously when we're in the same place, like we're together. We started long distance as Kim is doing now. Um, So I, you know, we've got a couple years of long distance between, you know, the five years we've been together and that it offers its own challenges. But when we had the opportunity to be together, it was absolutely him and me. Um, We had a rule, and I think this is a pretty good one, of really not talking about our relationship while we're with other people. Um, I think that's very dangerous. Uh, Obviously, like, I explain my relationship because I lay this, we'll get into this actually, about Mm -hmm. how I lay this out for a date that I would go on. Yeah, I was Yeah, that's an important one, I think. But if my partner and I are um, having any problems or maybe a difficult time together, I would not feel comfortable with him telling, uh, you know, an extramarital or another partner about that. I think it's dangerous. I think that um, that's a mistake lots of people make, and it leads to really unhealthy, toxic habits. And uh, yeah, I think that it just says so much when you can respect your primary relationship. I think it says so much when anyone respects any of their relationships. If you're talking to someone and they're trashing their exes, it's just yeah. very unflattering. You're yeah. Like, mm, you're going to do this to me That's one day. That's for the therapist. Yeah. 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 No, it's a huge so we red, definitely, red flag. As much yeah, as... Yeah, we had a... We, so we have a pretty strict rule about talking about like our stuff with other people. Um, obviously, we had a, a rule about the home that we share together, and we still do as well. Uh, that's our space. Everyone needs a safe space. And... Sometimes this can make you feel very unsafe. So we like to keep our home very sacred. Um, And we had, you know, physical rules about things we didn't do in bed with other people. Um, Things that we wanted to make sure that we felt like were very special between the two of us. Um, Because after after a while, you you know, you want to share everything, but you want to have something that's yours as well. Hmm. So I think that over time, though, what we've done is sit down and communicate especially when we've messed up especially when we have gone outside of these rules and we just try really hard to say you know this hurt this is how it would feel in the reverse and if I think that a boundary that he's laid is unreasonable or coming from the wrong spot usually like in a spot of like ego 
basically is what I have an issue with. And like, I don't want boundaries that are motivated just by ego. You know, if this is only going to bruise your ego rather than hurt your heart, then to me, that doesn't seem like a legitimate or healthy line to lay. Hmm. Um, so we just sit down and try our very best to be adults and talk through this. Um, and I think that every, every time we've been with other people, we exercise that muscle and it, it gets stronger and, and we're sore from exercising <laughs> it too. But we feel that you can only really experience this when you apply this and actually try this yourself. But you feel so much closer when you're open you just do like it always just reaffirms how happy we are to be with each other, how much we value our time, our physical connection, um, how much we value that we, you know, are doing this very hard thing together. Um, and I think that everyone's first question always is what happens if you like fall in love with someone else? Um, and that is scary and definitely a possibility, but I think you can also feel and see that coming. I mean, mm. we've dated enough, you know, mm-hmm. when, when something special is going on and you're starting to, you know, not think clearly because like the insanity is kicking in. And so we <laughs> also have a very important role of if you start to develop those kinds of feelings for someone, um, make it known and then end the relationship hmm. because we choose to be with each other. And if you allow that to happen, you might get to a point of no return. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's funny and I don't, I don't mean to like, I hope this isn't, um, in any way simplify, oversimplifying what you're saying, but I feel like in some ways it's the same way in a, in a monogamous relationship, you have to choose, like you really have to prioritize the person over some extraneous stuff. Like, I think we've all heard of couples where like someone has a really high demand job and their relationship crumbles because it's like over and over and over again, they're choosing, Mm -hmm. they're choosing the other thing and taking the person for granted. Yeah. They're not giving that like love, devotion, attention, care, like making the choice. It is, it is work. It is like a lot of energy and effort to be really like connected with someone. Yeah. Well, I mean, you have to want a partnership. You know, I always say this. I say partnership is a privilege, and it's something I think that gets lost. And, you know, we're so lucky to have someone who's there to, like, bear the weight of life with us. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you feel taken for granted or you feel undervalued, it's the worst feeling in the world. And if you're with someone who isn't participating in your partnership... And that's what you want. You deeply want to have a partnership that you both participate in. Then, Mm -hmm. you know, you need to fix that. Something needs to change or they shouldn't have that privilege. Yeah. Wow. That's like a very powerful sentiment. I know. I just felt emotional. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to credit Dax Shepard and Kristen (laughs) Bell for that because I was in some blog about them a few months ago and I was like, oh, that is the best three words. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Well, it's true. And I feel like it is something that when we talk a lot, obviously we talk a lot about dating on this podcast and how to get out on dates and how to put yourself out there. But I think that it we can all come to dating from a place of scarcity instead of from a place of abundance. And I know those are two very like self-help of the moment words, but I've been thinking about them a lot. Like, sorry, I feel like I got gooped or something, but it's um, got gooped. <laughs> but I think that the idea of the like privilege and responsibility of partnership to me feels like 
powerful instead of like instead of looking at dating as this powerless like scarcity mindset like it does feel kind of powerful to be like oh this is like this precious thing that I hold and care for and and am responsible for and yeah yeah I mean like anything else you really need to care for it to keep it alive and healthy yeah and if you feel like you can't put in that time and energy then let let them go and find someone who can yeah um yeah i i think that's really something that people lose sight of i like the i like the scarcity and abundance i also like i think that people get um they really like to look at a relationship as just work like it's just like sucking your time Mm. and energy yeah and never a great sign (laughs) yeah i'm just like i feel like i would never be with my partner if I didn't feel like we make each other more powerful. Like I've, I envision all the time, this is gonna sound so lame. Uh, so I envision sad. like taking two lighters and then putting the little flames together. You have this like big, you know, really hot flame now. And if that's not, I think how your spirits are coming together, then and something's going wrong. Yeah. Yeah, you should make each other stronger and you should be able to kind of seesaw. And like when you're hysterical, they can be grounded for you. And and when you're sick, they can be healthy. And yeah, sometimes it's just nice to have someone bear the weight. Or if it's something you're not appreciating anymore for whatever reason, you know, let it go to your point, whether that's early dating or a longer relationship. I feel like especially in monogamous relationships I've been like you know that a friend is in or someone at school with me is in there's like a fear around letting something go even if it's clearly not working even if there's like some cheating like I feel like there's people have a hard time just ending the thing if it's not something that's nurturing them if it's not something that's even making them happy anymore and I I just I feel like just thinking more openly about relationships broadly just like being more open-minded would help maybe some of these people who feel like they're on this track. They're dating one person and they're going to get engaged to that person and you just have to keep going. You can't disappoint that person so you stay with them. Maybe you cheat. It just – I'm just thinking like the way a lot of people think about some of this stuff in our society, it just feels backwards. Yeah, it's – well, I think that – it's really natural to feel that way. I mean, I felt I've definitely been in this situation myself and it is, it's kind of like a sunk cost. You've invested mm-hmm. so much into this person. Mm-hmm. And even if the foundation that you've built is garbage, you're like, I have a foundation, you know, I don't have to start over. I don't have to, to go out on all of these sometimes hilarious and sometimes really awful dates. I don't have to learn another person again. Um, you know, because there is there's some things you can only learn with time. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's scary because none of us know how much time we're actually promised. Um, it's scary, I think, being a female because there are real time restrictions uh, if you have certain goals. And I see some of my friends struggling it, with it now because we're you know all in our late late twenties or early thirties, and I think they are in bad relationships relationships that are much more toxic than they are rewarding and I can see the peril when I talk to them about you know when they need to talk to me about how they're feeling and and that they want to get out but uh it feels like the investment's been too much and any person any person a couple decades older than us who has been through this or been through a divorce 
they would tell us how young we are, how if it's not working, start over today. Yeah. You're way younger than you think you are. And I know how sound that advice is, but it is terrifying to think of starting over, especially if you have like real life investments together. If you live together, if you're on a lease together, if you have children or a dog together. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's funny. I think all the time about this Ted talk, which I'm not going to remember the name of, but maybe one of you guys will, everyone's like seen it. It's the one about your twenties. There's a woman, a, a blonde lady who talks about, she like studies people in their twenties, the psychology of people in their twenties. And I will find it and link it in the show notes. Um, but it, uh, she talks about how a lot of times she sees dating being like you're playing musical chairs and you get married to the person you're sitting down with when all your other friends happen to be getting married. Uh, it's so hard because all you want is people to be happy. But I think the idea of marriage is in a, well, whatever we, we don't need to get into all of that, yeah. but it's, it's uh the expectation is people feel it really strongly and it can be tricky yeah i mean our own families i mean five years is a long time yeah for most it's a long time for someone who's 29 there's certain expectations that come to you know okay guys so you've been together for five years and you've lived together in two different cities like what's next and we both have much older mothers as well and like Mm. we're keeping that in mind they're not going to be around forever except i hope that you both are figure that out (laughs) um (laughs) but uh i'm in no rush i really love goldie hawn and and kurt russell for the fact that they've been together 30 years plus and haven't felt the need for marriage if this is the time to be together um there should i don't think there should be any pressure to get married um but you know if we're going back to if this is not working for you this time is very precious too yeah yeah and i know that i've started over in that big way of like i think there's three things that ground you your job your home and your love and i had all of them just kind of disappear all at the same time a couple Mm. of years ago and you know I started over and it was a lot of work and I think I've blacked most of it out it was like two of the most horrible weeks of my life Mm. and I was kind of in survival mode but it felt so good on the other side yeah um I speaking of being good to your partner my partner just got here I'm just gonna throw him my keys off my balcony real quick but we I'll come right back and jump in go throw a jagged metal at his face Right oh my there. god that's hilarious <laughs> um all right so i mean it we have to wrap up soon anyway but as a general takeaway do you have closing thoughts on like people who are interested who, who maybe are feeling the way you were feeling we were like monogamy might just not be my thing yeah do you have thoughts on how people can like take steps down that road when yeah. they're starting out with absolutely that? absolutely i mean first of all get out there date a lot of different kinds of people. And I think I could believe in verbal manifestation. And so you don't necessarily have to have done this before to say like, I feel ethically non-monogamous. And I think that if you can start to say that out loud and start to talk to people that you're dating about it, you'll see if that shoe fits or not, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, And the more you talk about it, the more you'll find yourself around people that might feel the same way as well, who maybe aren't saying it. Um, and also, you know, I, I, I want to touch on this before we go, because I 
think that people have gotten to experience an open relationship by dating myself or my partner without actually being in the primary relationship. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I we will go on a date with someone, um, I tell them about my lifestyle. I tell them about my partner. I tell them, you know, this can really only go so far for me. And I also really need them to be respectful and they'll show who they are very quickly if they can be respectful of our space or not. Um, but this is something that they also get to decide. Maybe, maybe they're monogamous and they don't want to date someone who's not monogamous because that does, you know, doesn't accomplish what they're hoping for. Yeah. Um, or often it will accomplish it for a while because they're hoping for some company, but then after a while it, it doesn't build towards a relationship. Yeah. Um, and it, I want them to be able to choose that as well and to opt out, which many have opted out of that. Um, so I think that if you're interested, just really start like start saying that and start trying to live that way and start talking to people about what you think you want to do. Um, and it will change, you know, but it'll change in smaller ways and you'll start to date people you really like and it'll become kind of a long term thing. And if the exclusivity is something that they absolutely need and it's something you don't want to give, but you don't want to lose that person, like stay true to yourself and just say like, no, I deserve everything I want to, um, because you'll find someone out there who can support what you need if Mm. you feel non-monogamous. So I would, yeah, I'd say really just start talking about it like anything else. If you're looking for a job, tell everyone you meet and eventually someone will have an opportunity, you know? Yeah. Cool. I I just, I love, I think like not, the thing that's really sticking out to me after, you know, spending my 20s like sort of dating people who didn't want to fully commit in New York, but it wasn't like being in an open relationship. It was just like, weird dating where no one was communicating. This is all just, even just hearing you speak about, you know, being so intentional with your communicate about where you're at in your relationship, whether that's to another person that you're dating or with your partner. It just, it's all like reminding me to, first of all, even now be really honest in my relationship. But I wish I could go back to like 20 year old me again and not in um, an open relationship but just dating and like not communicating what she wanted and knowing the other person wasn't either I just wish I could go back and be like just be more honest sooner yeah just set your intentions and because we're afraid that if we're really honest about what we need that they'll run away Mm -hmm. but they should if they can't give them if they can't give you what you need you're wasting each other's time and we both I think all of us have wasted a lot of our own time. Yeah. And we stood in our own way by not stating our intentions and our needs and not knowing your worth and knowing what you can compromise and can't compromise yeah. on and and just really understanding, you know, you get to have the life that you want. Uh, you know, being the kid of two gay moms, I knew, oh, relationships can look however you really want them to look from the get-go. Mm-hmm. And... I'm so happy that more people are taking chances and like building their own versions of that. And it's also, there's some like really odd rewards that have come from it. Like um, someone I've been seeing in New York for about a year, we went out to dinner the other day and I was like, if I was monogamous, do you think we'd even be friends? And he was like, no, 
like if I thought you were trying to work towards a long term relationship, I know I would sabotage this like month too. Mm. Um, but now we're wonderful friends and in each other's lives for a very long time because we did set these intentions so clearly from the get go. Mm-hmm. Oh, amazing! I love it. Yeah. Thank you for it's being very... so honest with us, it, like and sharing. It's really totally. Yeah. yeah, I feel like I have like eighty five thousand more questions. Maybe you have to come back on. <laughs> no, yeah, you. I mean honestly, and if you get like a lot of questions from anyone who listens to this, and I'm, I'm I still have a million questions all the time. So um, yeah, I'm always happy to come back on. Amazing! Oh my god, maybe we'll do like a Q and A in a in a yeah yeah, and just yeah. I also think you just generally would have really good wisdom about sometimes, you know, we read our listener questions and try to respond to them. So I just think even on any topic, you'd have really good wisdom. I just, so we want to bring you back already, but. Well, you guys are a ton of fun oh and I I can't believe I was so nervous because this Aww. is wildly comfortable, but thank <laughs> you so for glad. having me on. and Thanks so much for being here. Do you want to tell everyone where they can find you? Like, Lalo. Uh, we'll, yeah. we'll link Lalo. <laughs> yeah, link Lalo. Uh, you can find me on on Instagram, my handle is ring my Annabelle, so we can put that <laughs> in there. Um, if you do have like any questions after listening, and you just you know kind of want to back and forth or a sounding board for maybe some of your experiences, or maybe you know what you'd like to talk to your partner about, um, I'm here to help if I can, and I'm sorry if I can't, <laughs> but I'll try. You're a dream, angel from heaven. <laughs> I am. We're so happy you're here. Do you want to check us out? We are at 51 First Dates Pod on everything. You can email us at 51 First Dates Pod at gmail.com. Rate, subscribe, review. Yes, those, we thank you all for rate, subscribing, reviewing. It feels so silly, but it's one way to give back to our little show, and we appreciate it. So keep them coming. <laughs> and, and yeah, email us anything. Annabelle, thank you again. And go on a date. Go on a date. <laughs>